podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. What? It's in the next episode. Oh, the Rubicon. Andy. Guess what? Are we podcasting? We sure are. Exciting. Welcome to Star Trek The Next Conversation. I'm Matt Myra. And I'm Andrew Secunda. Guys, we are just bringing you the hits, which is the first season of Star Trek (laughs) The Next Generation. Not really the hits, but most of the B-sides. You know what? (laughs) I like the deep tracks of Star Trek, and let me tell you, the season is full of deep tracks. Look, in every concert, they got to play a few songs that nobody wants to hear. You You got to go to the bathroom at some point, which I think was a David Spade bit about the going to the bathroom during... Yeah. Not important. <laughs> what is important is that uh, we have heard your complaints and we have addressed them. Andrew will no longer be allowed to speak. <laughs> it's going to be a, a lot of a lot of weight carried by Matt Myra, but I get it. I understand. No one's ever said that, guys. We're talking about a great episode. Just kidding. It's uh, the episode "Lonely Among Us." Yes. This uh, is uh, aired November 2nd, 1987. Can you believe that? Not far enough back in the past, I say. Nearly, nearly 30 years ago. Crazy. Can you believe how old Star Trek is and how awesome it still is? That actually is pretty impressive. It's crazy. Like, it's so uh, watchable still. Well, I'm taking that on hearsay. Okay. It will be watchable eventually, Andy. Let's, um, I appreciate all of the sympathy and, and support. I love everyone. that people are finally realizing what a what a task you have ahead of you. Many people are 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 urging us to skip stick ahead. With it, Andy, Some stick people with are, it. It's really it's fascinating. Uh, this episode, Lonely Among Us, uh, teleplay by DC Fontana. Oh, really? An original series writer. She is a fucking Star Trek machine. Yeah. And she's writing a story by Michael Halperin, so we won't blame DC too much. Well, I think in one of the uh, things I heard about her, she was talking already. Did she do the pilot? Too? Yeah, with uh, Gene. Yeah, and she, I know she talked a lot about, about his, his uh, let's say, tinkering with that one. Tinker, tanker, tinker. No one's ever said what I just said. It's not a saying. No one says tinker, tanker, tinker. Tinker, tanker, tinker, soldier, spy. So I would watch that. (laughs) Oh, that's a great Deep Space Nine episode. Tinker, tinker, tinker. They do a Tinker Tailor soldier spy because one of the Cardassian residents is a tailor, one of the the peripheral characters. Really? Uh, And it's about spying and the Dominion War, and it's fantastic. And people have asked us, are we going to do Deep Space Nine? Sure. Probably. Uh, they've also asked us, are we going to do it in order with the air date? So, like, let's say we're in season six of Next Gen. Would we play the consec- the following week's Deep Space Nine? No. Too confusing. It has been a, a debate back and forth. Uh, so, Matt, you do not want to have that be something we put to a vote. You're just making a command decision. On Honest that. to God, I feel like if we hand it over to the people, they will let us down. I see. <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar with recent elections and polls. 
I still have faith in the people. I want to give the power back to you. Oh, well, we have learned. Uh, So what we're going to do with this Lonely Among Us situation is we're going to talk about it. I'm going to read you a brief synopsis of it. But I thought, wouldn't it be fun if I first played the initial captain's log of the cold open before we get to that just to uh because Guys, we didn't talk about an order so we did throwing stuff at me and i'm okay with it so um you uh you had thrown out the uh, the idea in a casual conversation as we walked a lot of sony yep um um would would you that you might be interested in doing the uh, mail first i have uh, no strong opinion either way well, sounds like than- you're Forming a strong opinion, uh, you know, right I'm passive aggressively. <laughs> no, I really don't. I feel like it could be an argument, and that also could just be a thing we throw out to you, and we keep it at the end this week. This is a really, as we've said before, it's a free flowing conversation. Right. Uh, I just did the intro to the BS report. No one else knows that but me. I'm the only guy that listens to sports podcasts and this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, we can. I think we can do email first if it relates to the previous week's episode. I think that's a fine thing to do. We just browse and see. If... Andrew is going to browse the email and see if any of this holds up. Um. Well, one one thing is, uh, you know, from uh, Scott Horowitz, uh, mm-hmm. Citizen Citizen Ho podcast. I don't know what that is, uh, but it sounds great. Uh, Matt and Andy, <laughs> when you get to DS Nine, I think you should rename the podcast Star Trek. Deep Speak Nine. I think Deep Matt actually speak. came up with a different one on the way here. <laughs> it's called uh, Star Trek: The Next Best Conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and my vote is to just keep it as Star Trek: Next. Of course, just I, keep the brand. Honest to God, I think that's what, what we're idiots? probably gonna do. Um, and he and he also to tack on to our previous conversation. And Andy, Matt is right. The show gets better in later seasons. It I does. don't know if this is true, but I heard that TNG was the first show to do. Uh, the cliffhanger season finale with Best of Both Worlds. Can that be true? It's certainly the first of... It's not the first... I mean, who shot JR? Right. Um, but it's not the... It's certainly the first Star Trek series to do that ever. Because also uh, someone had written in, and I apologize, I don't have it in front of me, uh, saying that perhaps Deep Space Nine is the first one to do that kind of serialized program. Yeah, I mean, a little. they do a little bit of that in The Best of Both Worlds, Part 1, Part 2, and the following episode, Family. I know I'm going to close my email, everybody. You didn't just get an email. <laughs> People I have did. complained. I know. <laughs> I complain. I forgot to quit it. I just quit it, guys. Quitting my messages. You're not going to hear any weird noises from me. I take no responsibility Other than for the noises part. I make with my mouth. That's what you do. Um, so let me move on. <laughs> you got to put that on the soundboard so you don't have to do it. Um, so uh, another thing from the last episode, uh, you, uh, you, my friend, took uh, a beating. I did. About uh, Biff Yeager playing Argyle, and he plays Tom, the construction worker on Gilmore Girls. And everyone held you accountable for not identifying it. As I've said, okay. I am not, I am not record, a Gilmore Girls. Um, as, uh, uh, I, as I've said on Gilmore, guys, yes. I watched all of Gilmore Girls first run mm-hmm. and only go back and watch episodes when I, when I would do the podcast. So you're talking about something I haven't seen in 10 years. So I'm sorry. And sure. I'm Biff Yeager sorry, too. Sure. Biff Yeager, great name. We've established that, and I'm going to say it again. And I'm sorry for not remembering he played the construction worker. Is he the construction worker who builds the dragonfly? 
Um, I, I didn't do, I didn't know, I don't know Gilmore Girls myself, even well, though it's been universally recommended to me. So I apologize. Look at what that. I just did. I bet he's the guy that builds the dragonfly. Did you want me to look at an engineer? No, we're not. Be, we're not okay. going to look it up. Okay, we're, we're just going to get yelled at again in another email. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Whatever floats your boat. <laughs> um, I here's a, think I have a sound sting for this. Oh, great. Uh, for, for what we're doing right now. Oh, I do too, as a matter of fact. What, you do? I think I do. Oh, play yours. Well, I, I don't have it queued up. That's oh. because I'm not prepared. That's my, that's my character on the show, guys. <laughs> I just want to hear Jean-Luc Picard say just a few loose ends to tie up very angrily. Okay. <laughs> uh, but I can't because I don't have it. I don't have it done. I don't have it. We're bad Guys, at this. We're gonna... This is a whole new format. We're doing a new thing. <laughs> Theoretically, you've been doing this for almost a decade? More a, than a decade? A decade. <laughs> a decade. Uh, it's okay. Don't worry about it. If anyone can send me a sound clip of Captain Picard saying just a few loose ends to tie up uh-huh. from Insurrection, please. And then I would like to title this segment, Just a Few Loose Ends to Tie Up. Here's the... Um, we have a new star of the podcast, Omar. It's Omar Little, my kitty cat. Um, Hi, for Omar. the Wire fans out there. You have not seen The Wire? Correct. All right. Well, I, that has to be a follow-up to this, um, this podcast at some really point. I really think the audience crossover is It'll be a question of whether huge. that... Well, no, I'm not saying anybody from this podcast will listen. I'm just saying for myself. Do and think... also, here, you can vote on this. Yeah. Not that we are going to yeah. know, fill up our schedule. It's uh, We got that. The other thing I was, I was going to make him watch Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings was another thing that one of our fans suggested to us. So, uh, I don't... Can you do a three-choice thing on a uh, on a poll you can yeah, do four yeah right, you can go up to four on that um where's the no this is terrible what is do you want to just i'm gonna listen let's listen to captain picard's speech from insurrection for no reason other than it's awesome okay you're looking well jean-luc rested i won't let you move them admiral i will take this to the federation council i'm acting on orders from the federation council how can there be an order to abandon the Prime Directive? Prime Directive doesn't Interesting. People are not indigenous to this planet. They were never meant to be immortal. We'll simply be restoring them to their natural evolution. Who the hell are we to determine the next course of evolution for this people? Jean-Luc, there are 600 people down there. We'll be able to use the regenerative properties of this radiation to help billions. Sona have developed a procedure to collect the metaphasic particles from the planet's rings. A planet in Federation space. That's right. We have the planet, they have the technology. A technology we can't duplicate. Oh, I'm so upset right now. (laughs) Partners. Our partners are nothing more than petty thugs. Russia. Earth. Petroleum once turned petty thugs into world leaders. Oh, interesting. Warp drive transformed a bunch of Romulan thugs into an empire. We can handle the Soma. I'm not worried about that. Someone probably said the same thing about the Romulans a century ago. With metaphysics. Ooh. I'm digressing way too far with the speech. really are. It's insane. It's amazing. It's crazy. Um... Okay. Well, uh, this was the thing I was gonna I was gonna play that a fan sent us. Uh, Please. In, in regards to Matt's uh, uh, counter to the Argyle question. Matt 
Texas Standard Defense. <laughs> Which I think was something we said in the first podcast. Delightful. And that was sent to us by Stephen Rains, who sent us a few other things that we may hear in this podcast. A standard <laughs> defense posture. That's, That's right. what I'm taking on all things Andy says. It's much cooler than anything you made for me, I do have to say. Stephen. Oh, go. You're go telling, no, I'm done. Telling Stephen to get on it. Do you have um, any other emails dealing with last week? Uh, let's see. Um, they, we had an issue about uh, who cleans the captain's quarters, and we put it out to all the uh, servicemen and women out there. Oh, yes. Um, and uh, Rebecca McNeils writes us, while they do not address who cleans, uh, this is sort of a, a non-service person perspective, just a fellow geek uh, yep. perspective. Well, they don't uh, address who cleans the crew quarters on the Enterprise in, in uh, TNG and Deep Space Nine. I know they talk about this several times, particularly in the episode The Ascent, where Nog and Jake decide to become roommates. Jake leaves a mess in the quarters everywhere he goes, and Nog has to keep up after him to clean up after himself and follow regulations. Well, it's not a Starfleet vessel, because as we all know, it's a parking lot. It was <laughs> under their administration, so I would assume rules regarding crew quarters would be the same as any other ship. Yes, but that's crew quarters. I feel like the captain gets a little extra fun. Well, that's valid. So we did hear from... Um, a naval officer? A naval officer. Yes. Um, First of all, see. if you're listening to this podcast and you're a naval officer, thank you for your service. Absolutely. Second of all, I'm jealous. Um, as a Matt and Andy, as a former uh, submariner, is that oh. how you say that? Submariner? Submariner. It's not to pronounce like the Marvel Comics character. Submariner? No. Um, that's unfortunate. Although maybe it is, and I'm wrong, but <laughs> I be. assume it's not. <laughs> That'll be your next letter to oh, us, boy. David from Riverhead, New York. I take my standard defense on that. <laughs> um, as a former submariner, uh, I thought I could provide a little insight into the ship's operation. I can't speak for the surface fleet, but uh-huh. on a submarine, an enlisted man is always performing one of three functions. Standing watch, performing maintenance, cleaning everything that's not a shipmate. <laughs> um, whether in port or at sea, the ship's crew would also perform a weekly field day, a regular work day devoted to cleaning. In port, it was on Fridays. At sea, Sundays, it meant all hands, except those on watch, had to be cleaning something, even the junior officers. Oh, wow. It wasn't unusual to see a seaman scrubbing decks while an ensign went behind him with a rag or mop. The captain's quarters, XO's quarters, mm-hmm. um, and the uh, wardroom were cleaned and serviced by the crew of the mess decks. All the other officers were responsible for keeping their own quarters, sleeping quarters clean. Ah. Andy, hang in there uh, midway through season three. It'll be worth it. <laughs> yeah, I think even Andy, early in season three, I think there's some great, greatly watchable things that happen. And then Marcus Bess. Um, and Beak. Uh, uh, also throws in on aircraft carriers and submarines. Uh, at least only your high-ranking officers such as captain or co-captain would have personal quarters. That was in, in reference to your question about Captain Kirk. Yeah. Uh, and other officers have shared quarters. Enlisted barracks are obviously a shared space. Mm-hmm. And every eight hours, it would be a crew person's job to clean the floors or swab the deck, as Andy pointed out. Wow. That's it. That was Marcus in Phoenix, Arizona. Marcus, thank you. I love I love getting some real-life knowledge dropped on our fucking faces. Yeah. Um. And then I uh, had, a, had a little sub-issue. Submarine um, issue again? Uh, no, not, not a submarine issue. A regular issue. Um, um, from uh, Shauna uh, Binkley. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
um, who I thought thought this would be worth addressing. Go ahead. Um, she the title is I was so excited to hear about your show. Yeah, ellipse. Oh, this sounds like it's not going to be great. No. However, you said to email with opinions, so here it goes. Yeah, go I am it. four episodes in, and it seems like the primary point of the show is to crap on everything uh, TNG. I mean, of course Code of Honor was terrible. Yeah, it it was. seems to me that Andy is just trying to discard everything about Star Trek. Thanks, still going to listen. And she gives it a happy face. <laughs> um, I listen. Uh, what was her name? Um, her name is Shauna. Shauna. I am doing my best here to defend this show, but so far they have not given me a lot to work with. <laughs> um, and my only—I uh, definitely don't think I discard everything Star Trek because uh, I love the original series and I loved many of the movies, and uh, I even know that many of the uh, next gen episodes in the future are going to be okay. Uh, <laughs> just okay. There's maybe some, maybe brilliant. There's we'll some see. great ones. There's some um, great ones. So uh, your mind I'm, I'm just along gonna, for the ride. I'm your just, mind, when we get to like the inner light guy. or tapestry, your brain is going to explode with how good it is. And I will also offer, I'm the kind of person who hits hard against things I don't like and it's is true. very passionate about things that I love. Mm, I don't know. Let's ask Omar. <laughs> Omar would definitely back that up. <laughs> um, and I would also have a counter, some counter letters to that. I just wanted to say, uh, this is from... Alessandra Ragusa. Oh, and ladies, Andy's single. That's why he has a cat. <laughs> They're <Is> that... lining up. <laughs> if you're allergic, I'm sorry. It won't work out. It's been a bumping point. Uh, I just wanted to say that I love your podcast so far. Voyager is my favorite series, but Next Gen is a close second. Nice. That's kind of where I think I might, I might stand very close. The original series is close for me. I love all the critiques. It's okay to diss Star Trek because you guys are fans. Sort of like it's okay to make fun of your sibling. That's but true. when somebody else does it, it's a personal attack. Uh, uh. You guys rock. So I just wanted to give the two sides of that. Well, great. Um, and I think, oh, you know what? I failed to uh, <laughs> put this. I'm going to get our act together. Failure to launch, everybody. But uh, this, is the, uh, this is what I should have played at the beginning of our mailbag. Oh, okay. Captain, we are being hailed. That was another. That's. That was another thing That's that Stephen Rain sent us. That's fantastic. <laughs> um, let me just see if there's anything else. I think that's it. Okay. That's it. All right. Are you ready, Andy? I'm to dive ready. in. Let's do it. To episode production order 108, aired November 2nd, 1987. I was going to tell you the star date, but I'm getting a little little person named Captain Picard tell you the star date. Captain's log, star date 41249.3. We have orbited the two major planets of the Beta Rena system, taking aboard delegates from those two worlds. Since achieving spaceflight, their major life forms, the Anticons and the Sele, have become deadly enemies, but both have also applied for admission into our Federation. We are to deliver these delegates to this sector's neutral conference planet, called Parliament, in the hope their dispute can be resolved. Parliament. It's like Parliament. It I is think Parliament. It is Parliament. That's, That's the why, way it was. Why is it called Parliament? That seems a little on the nose, DC Fontana, to name the neutral negotiating planet Parliament. I think they were just like, we've got to find a way to just set ourselves up in this universe. I mean, we don't offer anything, we don't have any natural resources. Uh, so, what if we're like Sweden? I'm going to uh, read this, Sweden. the synopsis from uh, Larry Nemec's uh, Star Trek The Next Generation Companion. Uh, 
so you already know. Ken Picard set it up. So we're picking up some warring uh, alien races for uh, diplomatic purposes. And here we go. En route there, the ship passes through a strange energy cloud and puzzling malfunctions start to occur. Worf and Dr. Crusher then show bizarre personality shifts while attending to them. After an assistant engineer is murdered while inspecting the malfunctions, Data adopts the methods of Sherlock Holmes. But Troy's hypnosis of Crusher and Worf, completely forgot about the hypnosis, uh, (laughs) reveals that they have accidentally taken aboard a long, lonely life force. The creature is now looking for a host body to return to the energy cloud. The crew is shocked when the being chooses Picard as its host. After apologizing for the damage it's caused, the alien has Picard resign his command and divert the ship back to the cloud, where it beams out as pure energy. And just as Riker is about to take over the stunned ship, Troy senses that the union did not work. Sure enough, Picard uses the transporter circuits to rematerialize in his human form. Once back... The tired captain gives Riker the job of keeping the cannibalistic races diplomats from eating each other. That's the that's the synopsis. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So let me just dive in, John, our our resident uh, Anovos uh, employed uniform expert, has sent us a message, Andy. Oh wait, I have a thing. Hang on. Hang on, hang on. Just has sent us a message, Andy. You gotta have to. Has sent us both of us, you and I, a message. Captain, incoming message. Incoming message. All so right. Stephen Rains fucking went bonkers. He he really did right by us. This is the first occurrence of Bill Thies's new uniform dresses. Sorry, I mean dress uniforms. <laughs> All right. Here's what he says. The good. The flap was a holdover from the Wrath of Khan era uniforms that were used in use for like 75 years. I guess Starfleet suspends its policy of changing uniforms every few years when there's no show. (laughs) Over time, the flap will gain rank pips on the edge and will choose the vertical trim. The bad. The knee length, skirted, frock coats... Crusher's first lab coat is shorter. The length will creep up over the uniform's life, eventually finishing at the fingertips where it'll stay. The ugly. Though hard to see here, everyone, captain included, wears leggings under their dresses. This changes to the standard uniform pant by season three. Overall, not bad, but the white mess dress uniforms in the TNG movie era are way better. John, thank you again for contributing to the show, and I 100% agree with you. Let me ask you. Yes. If, uh, it's so important to show respect by dressing in your dress uniforms. Yeah. How come they did not do that with the delegate from the uh, from Code of Honor when they came to the ship? You know, I just think they hadn't designed them yet uh-huh. and kind of forgot that it was a diplomatic thing. Sure. Even though it was held over from hundreds of years ago. Although I think they do that mainly when it's like, like those, that planet was not they in the Federation. They were not in the Federation, right. And these people want to join the Federation. Yeah. 
So I the think it's more from, of a... Uh, from, what was it, Ligon? They wouldn't know. Yes. Uh, what's very funny about... They wouldn't know a dress uniform from a future t-shirt. <laughs> Those dummies. <laughs> uh, so let's, let's jump into it. Andy. Yes. What'd you think of these fun aliens? Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't... I'm really curious. Again, Shauna... Not giving us a lot to work with uh, here. No. Andy, what'd you think? I think that they looked like they were like Roger Corman would have been making a film and seeing these outfits and gone, we can't, well, there's nothing else. We can't do anything else with these things. It's just a dog and a lizard guy. It's interesting that the mouth is in no way malleable. No. Nor does it respond to the actor's performances. It's an interestingly odd look. So and I feel like, low correct me if I'm wrong, people who are fans of Star Trek, much like myself, but do I vaguely remember seeing one of those dog guys in Star Trek 3? He was, they were definitely so familiar, and I did a search and couldn't come up with anything. So was it Star anybody... Trek 3 or was it Star Trek 4, I feel like, maybe in the... Um... In the... The bar? Court Martial. Oh, the Court Martial. The Court Martial for... The weird court martial where the president of the Federation is there. <laughs> I feel like they may be from some other lower rent uh, sci-fi enterprise, and they just found them in the warehouse. Well, let's find out. I said sci-fi enterprise, and that makes it confusing. Uh, <laughs> how does that make it? Okay, because it's an enterprise. All right. And the snake people uh, the, the, arrive. The sea lay. The sea lay arrive. They say they don't want to be upwind of the Antikins. And I wonder, they know there's no wind on a starship, right? <laughs> I think there is. I think there's an airflow for there's sure. There's an airflow, I see. Um, I just want to... referring to the AC. This episode marks the first appearance of James McElroy as one of the sea lay delegates. He auditioned for this part and shot it in two days, uh, being the scene's... In the transporter room, the first scenes to be shot, his makeup was applied by Michael Westmore, and he had a makeup call of about 4.30 in the morning. He later appeared as a recurring background actor during the first four seasons of The Next Generation and the fourth season of Enterprise. Now, for those of you who are, you know, much like Andy and wondering, who's James McElroy? Mm -hmm. He's a background actor. Anyway. That's it? Yep. There's going to be much more. Pretty much. <laughs> um, I had a thought yeah. for, the, for, the, uh, for the bigger plugged-in nerd to TNG. Uh, there was a blonde lady at the helm. You don't really yeah. see her. Uh-huh. Who's that? What, they don't have... Why Sometimes people Jordan... don't have names. You know, Chief O'Brien appears in this episode. But he has lines, at least. He has lines, but he is not named O'Brien yet. Did you know that? I didn't know that. He was first security officer. He was an unperson. I am always happy to see O'Brien, and I am just going to take a look here at this Seelay situation. I want to get to the bottom of these. I want to get to the bottom of these. Okay, stunt actor James Miller previously doubled Shatner in The Voyage Home. Michael Westmore to Seelay delegates. It's hard to say. If they were in anything. You know what the CLA delegates look like? They look like action, like He-Man action figures. <laughs> that is exactly right. They look like someone was like, well, uh, I don't know. And they're like, doesn't that look like a He-Man action figure? 
It definitely, as, as uh, again, in, working on a show, a lot of times, you know, it'll be like, oh, we came up with this thing, and, uh, you know, we, we have to, we, we need a costume. We need another costume. And then people throw stuff together, and they do as good a job as they can as the time they have. And that's what this feels like. And I wonder also, because this plot is completely, I don't, I f- guess they're st- still figuring out at this point in the series how the A plot and the B plot work. I've, it's just, it has nothing to do with the other thing. I it doesn't feed it. have some information okay. on these dog-like Antican creatures. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were designed by concept artist Andrew Probart. As such, it is one of only three alien facial designs that were conceived by Probart prior to Michael Westmore joining the production crew of The Next Generation. The others being the Ferengi and the Seelay. Although Gene Roddenberry decided at about the start of the series that all aliens shown on TNG were to be depicted without burying the actors under deep rubber covering their faces, the Antigen makeup involving a pullover mask broke this rule uh, rule of thumb. Uh, according to Cliff Bowl, Paramount received mail criticizing the controversial carnivor- carnivorous nature of the Antikins in Lonely Among Us. I think that makes sense. Sort of like that doesn't fit with the general Roddenberry perspective on aliens prior to that, because we're clearly setting ourselves up as superior, which he's done a lot in this particular yeah. series. So they're seen, they're seen in Lonely Among Us. Uh-huh. They're seen in The Measure of a Man, which is season two when Data is, they're trying Data to see if he's sentient. Mm-hmm. It is seen in Captain's Holiday, which is when Picard wears a, almost a Speedo and is hanging out by the pool. Uh, seen in Unification Part 2 and on Deep Space Nine's Promenade a couple of times. So it's not in a movie, even though I feel like it is. Just saying. All right. Andy? Yes. What do you got? Um, I have a thing at uh, 2.40, and it's a scene between uh, Jordy and Worf. Let's listen. So, Worf, why are you interested in this? It's just routine maintenance on the sensor assemblies. Simple, Jordy. Our captain wants his junior officers to learn, learn, learn. <laughs> Not just his junior ones. Okay, you hold this relay offline while I adjust these sensor circuits. Security to sensor maintenance. Lieutenant LaForge here. We're making a close sensor pass on an unusual object, Jordy. Any problems? Not at all, Lieutenant. All equipment online and I've never seen this function. word before in my life, Sensor's by the way. ready, sir. Life form reading. No life form reading, sir. Begin the pass. Sir. Okay, I don't I know why they don't it. leave a probe. Uh, that is valid, yes. Like, it just seems like a perfect situation to leave a probe. I agree. Anyone? Anyone? No? Just me. Um, also, in... Um in Voyager, I know that they would they would constantly be sending out the uh, the uh, the shuttlecraft to to kind of check out stuff that was a little too dangerous. Yeah, not something they do on the Next Generation very often. Maybe so they're so they're so cozy and secure in their Galaxy Class Starship. They're in this tiny sensor room, which the I like. Sensor maintenance. Sensor I maintenance, call. which I very kind of imagine there's more than one room for this, um, and. They are futzing around. I still don't understand Jordy's function aboard this ship. He's well, the helmsman. I was going to address what is Worf's position on the ship. I don't know if you knew. And how junior is Worf? Because it feels 
Worf's he says a, he's a junior officer. Worf's a lieutenant junior grade uh-huh. at this point in the show. He is promoted to lieutenant. Okay. And by the... He is promoted... I don't know if you... Are you about to give me a spoiler? Well, you saw Star Trek Generations. I didn't pay attention to what the ranks were, but go ahead. Do you remember the whole ceremony on the holodeck aboard the ship that was to promote him to lieutenant commander? All right, fair enough. So, it's not a spoiler. You've seen it. (laughs) I guess I can't pull the spoiler card as much with this show. Okay. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, Worf is a junior grade lieutenant. Uh, so he's one of the junior officers, not a senior officer. So he wouldn't be involved in a senior officer briefing, although he is a bridge officer. Right. And I do like the idea that Picard makes everybody learn everything. That I like. Yeah. That, that fits into the general kind of the fabric of how the show ship is running. Yeah. And Picard doing a good job. So what we don't see is that this... Although Worf does seem PO'd about it, which I think is a general... Probably rather be like fighting something or, or eating an animal with those other aliens that arrived. Right. He's a uh, savage. Or he'd rather be thinking about his tiny dog. Yep. His warg. His warg. Um, so the sensor panel that he's working on uh, gives him a little force lightning. That's right. And he is incapacitated. Uh huh. When he regains consciousness, <laughs> He throws a nurse. <laughs> yeah. Now, how strong are Klingons? Because I also feel like Geordi restrains him pretty easily when he's in a mad rage. You know, I don't know exactly what Klingon strength is, but I do know that, like, Vulcan strength is ten times that of a human. Right. So i got to assume Klingon strength is right up there. Right. I don't know, though. Do you know? Right in. I know you know. You're going to tell us. Internet. <laughs> <laughs> you know everything, Internet. Oh, man. <laughs> um, my next thing is way into the show. It's 3.30. Do you got anything before that? Uh, I'm just looking up the strength of the Klingon. Strength, speed, and endurance. Strength, intelligence. Go ahead while you're doing that. Okay. Um, well, this is far into the show, and I have to say, I don't... <laughs> the whole progression of the of the thing passing from person to person um it's uh it takes a long time and i was kind of on board for the general concept of this thing that was you know this alien that was possessing and it was uh either energy driven and it was possessing the crew and i'm on board for that that's fine um but uh, guys i guess vulcans are three times stronger than humans According to this internet message board. Yeah. Huh. What do you think about that? I think that's interesting. We find that out in Take Me Out to the Hollow Suite, which is... uh, Well, they're three times stronger, and then Data is like ten times stronger, right? I I don't know. Or more. I just want an answer. There's no great... There's No one's written an article on this. Someone must have written an article. Oh, on this. well, April 9th, <laughs> April 9th, 2013, someone wrote an article on this. Uh, Vulcans are supposed to be two to three times stronger than humans. Uh-huh. Uh, Klingons, I'm not sure exactly how much stronger they are than humans, but the Deep Space Nine episode, Take Me Out to the Hollow Suite, Cisco said Worf is their strongest player. We can deduce from this that he is roughly as strong as a Vulcan. That means Klingons are twice as strong as humans. What? This person's inconsistencies are bothering me. 
Guys, someone write us a definitive list of who's the strongest of what. That always bothered me in the Take Me Out to the Hollow Suite episode, which is an episode of Deep Space Nine where Cisco uh, has Deep Space Nine play against another starship on the Hollow Suite in baseball. Mm. And uh, the Worf is not a great baseball player, which bothers me. Because I figure his hand-eye coordination would be pretty good, and he's right. super strong. Right. It's it seems like it's it seems it's following like, the general pa- pattern of let's humiliate Worf. <laughs> Poor Worf. <laughs> you know, honestly, I understand the comedic value of him being disgruntled all the time and kind of being an Eeyore. I understand that. I don't understand the necessity plot wise to constantly make him um, this this sad beleaguered creature Worf in every situation. Is, and as we've said so often, someone a few years ago did a great supercut of Worf being told no. It was called Everyone Says No to Worf. Uh, is that what it's called? I believe it is because I'm. it's one of the funniest things. Okay. Worf... <laughs> this is called Worf Gets Denied Again and Again. And it has one... 0.9 million views, and I'm going to play just a just a taste of it because it is a 15 minute long interview, uh, interview clip. But here it is after this ad that plays because that's how the internet works nowadays. But it's an ad for Logan, which I cannot fucking wait to see. Seems hey, we're I not, could hey. attach a tractor beam and adjust its heading. I think not, Mr. Worf. I recommend we go immediately to battle stations. I appreciate your advice and concern. This is not the time for rash actions. Captain, this may be our only chance. No. Obviously, the pregnancy must be terminated. For the safety of the ship and the crew. Worf, you can't assume the intent was belligerent. Recommend we go to yellow alert, sir. Why? Explain. <laughs> Sorry, sir. Recommend we fire a photon torpedo, Captain. Negative. Worf! Sir, it could be a dangerous mission. There may be the potential for combat. That is not the purpose of the mission. Still, just to die gonna, a true this is hero. Still season two. Here we're jumping in. We're Coming jumping on board. in. Late. Thank you, Captain. Standing by. We should destroy the probe. Phasers are armed and ready. I don't think that's wise. Not until we know exactly what it's doing to him. Agreed. Stand on phasers, Mr. Wolf. Mr. Wolf, you will report back to the bridge. Sir. As chief of security, my place is at your side. The security of the Enterprise is of paramount importance, Mr. Wolf. Yes, sir. Sir. <laughs> anyway, that's a little taste of how many times Worf is told no. It is a 15-minute clip. So there's essentially more than a quarter of an episode of just Worf being told no throughout the seven years on the show. And we'll have a link to that clip on our website. I don't believe that for a second. We don't have our website set up yet. But um, <laughs> we will in the future, and then you'll be able to go when you listen to this in the future. Or, or for the moment. Just type it in. You could listen. You could go to our uh, our Twitter feed, which is Star Trek TNC, um, and check it out there. I have an idea mm-hmm. for uh, uh, what we could do for the. Uh, I, maybe not. Part of me just wants to because I was like thinking about like some of my favorite episodes of this show, and I was thinking about how fun it would be to like occasionally throw one in your face mm-hmm. and just go, "Hey, Andy, let's watch this one in the middle of all this." garbage i feel like i want to overrule yeah, that you're gonna overrule it i overrule yeah. it as well i don't know we haven't really worked out the uh we haven't worked the out checks any and balances of, of this we're just running rampant with executive orders <laughs> left and right everything's happening i have a clip to play oh please be the aliens in their food 
along with warp drive nope. circuitry, sir. Oh, it's assistant chief engineer. Six to bridge. Reporting transporter console malfunction, sir. Data, this ship is less than a year out of space dock. What are the chances of this occurring? It is a virtual impossibility, sir. So what the hell is going on here? Okay, so here's my point. Yeah. Wait. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? What's wrong? Just the way you're saying, so here's my point. Like, you didn't set up any point when you played that. I'm saying, my, here's my point coming. <laughs> oh. Uh, my point is about to happen. <laughs> Here we go. Oh. Energize. Um, so something's wrong with the warp drive. The warp drive. Uh, some of the consoles aren't working. Yep. We're 13 minutes into the show. Yeah. That is, we're about to start the second act. What has happened so far? Worf got shocked. Beverly got shocked. Some alien guests bitched about each other. Yep. Like nobody's even gotten eaten yet. Yeah. Nothing is happening, and we are to the second act of the show. I disagree. I think a lot's happening. Okay. I think that the ship shouldn't be malfunctioning like like this. You're just feeling the pressure from Shauna's email, and so you're jumping to the defense of the show. Oh, Shauna, this episode blows. (laughs) Uh, But... I feel like that a lot has happened. I think when st- like all this stuff cascade a cascading failure of this magnitude on board the flagship of the Federation, it just can't stand for it. But that's not that's not enough for the for the plot of an hour long drama show by the beginning of Act Two. I think that they would have waited for in the, the delegates. Old, in they the old show, the in delegates. a teaser, somebody yeah. would have been dead. If it's only one person, maybe several red shirts would have been dead by the end of the teaser. Well, I mean, I think the next gen is a slower paced show somehow than a show that was made in the sixties. Uh-huh. But I But did... that's weird, isn't it? No. What is weird is these fucking aliens. Uh-huh. Sorry to call you, sir. Not strictly security. It's about the dietary requirements of the Antican delegates. <laughs> I thought that had been taken care of in advance. <laughs> so did we, sir. Their live animals were beamed aboard. We were going to preserve the meat for them, but I say we must bring it to them alive. Then do so. Lieutenant Yar was confused. We no longer enslave animals for food purposes. But we have seen humans eat meat. You've seen something as fresh and tasty as meat, but inorganically materialized out of patterns used by our transporters. There's one alien that just sits on the floor next to a couch. Yeah. That's all that alien does. Splayed out. Like, I don't... Like, he's super high and in a dorm room. (laughs) (laughs) That is all that that other alien does. Hey, bro. Come on. Be cool. (laughs) No, but these humans are not giving us live meat. They're eating something as tasty. They took it. They confiscated our bomb. <laughs> they took everything. <laughs> Dude, I'm not getting up out of this fucking floor until they bring us a live animal. For real. You brought the dudes from Antican High here. <laughs> For real. <laughs> not cool. Um, yeah. So that's, I mean, that's my point about the Anticans. Yeah. It's a weird, it's a weird thing that this, what do you think of uh, Crusher's little medical helmet I've never seen before and nor will see again? 
I don't remember that. Is it on your screen? Uh, yeah, it's right here. It's just got the eye thing. She's like ready to go to work. <laughs> That's crazy. It's a weird situation when she's trying to fix Worf. And wouldn't that just be like uh, scanners and stuff that you would have? Do you want to hear how, mm, I don't know, not observant Wesley Crusher is? Uh-huh. Sure. Here we go. Wesley's doing homework. Physical sciences class. We're studying Dr. Channing's theory on dilithium crystals. Tell me about it. Really? you never seen that interested in warp theory before. Red flag. Dr. Channing thinks it's possible to force dilithium into even more useful crystals. If, as shown here, matter and antimatter could be aligned even more efficiently. Would that affect navigation? This is engineering, not helm control. Oh, yes. The helm's located on the bridge. Red flag. Mom? Red flag. Something wrong? Red flag. Back to work. You're not doting on me the way you usually are, Mom. Now the chief medical officer walks on the bridge and goes over to the helm. And here we go. This is the helm. Unless there have been some changes I don't know about. Dr. Crump. Red flag. Yeah. You will wish to know Lieutenant Worf is much improved, ready to return to duty. What was the diagnosis? A temporary mental aberration. Picard's like, what? That's not a real diagnosis. When such a diagnosis concerns a bridge officer, I expect a better explanation. Then I will have to first run some cross-checks on the library computer. Klingons are so unusual in their reactions, aren't they? I feel like... Red flag. If the energy creature that is possessing these people uh, accumulates some of their uh, some of their knowledge, and that's the reason she can carry on a conversation about anything, yeah. it's weird what the things she knows and the things she doesn't know, and it is also weird... That she is acting so strangely because wouldn't she? Wouldn't the creature just know how to act like Beverly? <laughs> I don't know. And Data, here's the biggest or thing. Or are these energy creatures terrible liars? <laughs> I think they might be terrible liars. Also, it's not at all clear as to why she needs to find navigational control. I don't think it's ever clear, is it? It's like the... the <laughs> it is not the, the 90s MO... alt-rock band ever clear. <laughs> it's not... It's not... Um... Uh, they just can't. There's, there's no clear. The, the point is to get back and then take someone on the vessel, turn them into energy, and take them into the cloud. Because it's lonely. Is that it? That's I feel it. like it's more of a. And I only know that of because a, of the title of this episode. Oh, well, that's completely that's bonkers, insane. And like, it's not one of these like. Star Trek doesn't do the thing that like. Friends does or like well, I think the Gold we're very guilty of it on the Goldbergs where our title doesn't really mean anything. No. It's just something that's said in the episode. Right. But on Star Trek, a title is supposed to tell you something about the like the last outpost or where no man has gone before. The lonely among us. You're like, what does this mean? You I don't you don't it's not at any point conveyed that this being is lonely. Yeah, it's definitely malevolent from the beginning. 
It's not malicious in any way. Like it doesn't oh, I think seem it's to. Malicious. I don't think it wants to hurt. It's kind of malicious in its tone, if nothing else. It well, speaks in a very ominous, threatening way, and I feel like at how, the end, look at how, listen how data talks. Sound control thing. have to do with medical cross checks. Data then goes <laughs> and crushes back. Why am I? Is something wrong, Doctor? Doctor? Are you all right? Yes. <laughs> yes. All right, Dr. Beverly Crusher right. would say that's the character of Dr. Beverly Crusher. Right. Which, again, not defined yet, really. It's only our sixth no, time but seeing her. We know her. that she's a highly respected medical Starfleet. So much so that she goes and runs Starfleet Medical for a year. Uh huh. Like, I don't. She, she realizes she has just had some kind of blackout. Yeah. And she's like, I don't want to seem like a jerk. She said, So yeah. I'm not going to say anything. I don't want to seem like a dope. Okay, the warp engines aren't working, and, you know, Wesley Wesley tries to fix it. Um, now, what, uh, I, are you, what, what, what are you up to? About 18. 18? Let me just uh, go to uh, this scene in the captain's conference room. I love so, a captain's conference room. Go. Couple, which has a really nice shot from the outside zooming in. A rare outside zoom in shot. Yeah. And you're telling me that there are no explanations for these malfunctions. At least, sir, all the department heads have reported the damage repaired. That was not my question, number one. What caused the malfunctions? I believe it was a rampant electronic short that jumped from system to system, sir. But the only thing is... um, Yes, Mr. Singh. That shouldn't be possible. The affected systems don't generally interact with each other. Where they do, um, it wasn't an interlink that was malfunctioning. Have you spoken with Chief Engineer Argyle about this problem? With all the engineering staff, sir. They're just as puzzled. Um, I have a couple of questions. Yep. One, is, uh, is uh, Mr. Singh here? Is, mm-hmm. he, uh, is Lieutenant Singh possibly related to Khan Noonien Singh? <laughs> No. Okay, just a common name. Just asking. Um, and uh, and secondly, um, there is a it's a you know they're trying to figure out what's going on. Why is the assistant chief engineer reporting to the captain? Why isn't Argyle there? Doesn't make any sense. He wasn't free on the day. I mean, it's a big thing. He would be the person who related up. Also, who are all those other people in there? <laughs> I guess they're just other department heads. But it's weird, right? It's I mean, but again, it's early on, so I don't know if they really understood how how it should function. Um, like, as far as well, let's have the senior officers, and our senior officers going to be our core cast, and they're always going to have a conference. I feel like there weren't as many conferences on Star Trek: The Original Series. There weren't. Yeah, that's what I feel like. I feel like there were some, but I feel no, like it I definitely feel like it was wasn't always just Bones. Spock, it wasn't like the L.A. Law Kirk. or or Hill Street Blues morning meeting. That's it's for sure. Crazy, um, and it's useful. But this was this was a very strange thing. Um, now, my next thing is at uh, is at fifteen with Riker and Tasha dressing down the Antican. Did you want to jump to jump Go ahead? For it. Dress okay. down the Antican, bro. Okay. No one's ever said that. Nevertheless, Chief Delegate, you're on notice that all of your weapons, no matter what their basic function, are being confiscated. 
Violence will not be tolerated on the Enterprise. Of course not. And if any does occur, let me assure you, it will not be we Atticans who start it. Thank you, sir. Here's the... But <gasps> we will finish it. No point. <laughs> this B story is pointless. And you want to put a running clock on something. Right. All you have to do is say the ship's going to blow up if we don't figure out what this problem is. That's it. You get a nice running clock. Don't introduce two alien species we're never going to talk to again. Uh-huh. Don't introduce uh, warring factions of like... Weird people, that weird aliens that just want to eat each other. And how does it tie in thematically to the energy creature that it feels lonely on the doesn't. ship? It doesn't at all. It's very frustrating, and it's so slow. It's such a sloppy slow. It's a very and slow And it doesn't episode. usually. If there's a B plot that's like has its own entertainment value, I you know at least in the in the old show, it would be like okay, that is somehow feeding the crisis. Yeah, but I feel like in the old show, it was they always didn't really a. Even do it. It was, it was always, always a, a plot. Yeah. yeah. Um, Okay, now, uh, did you want to skip the, the Sherlock Holmes scene? I, I'm cool either way. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just wanted to play Wesley's, I just wanted to play Wesley's uh, discussion with his mother Fair when good. he figures out that she maybe isn't. If you're going to do Oh, that, I am going to do that. Are you Andy. at 1808? I don't know. What am I, a machine that understands what you're saying? No, I'm not at 1808. I'm skipping that scene. I, I don't want to skip that scene because I, have a, I, have a, I, have oh. a, I have, may have a theory. Oh, <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Wait. I believe I can handle it from here, Mr. Krishan. But, sir, you are scheduled for classwork now. Sorry. Yes, sir. But I don't learn nearly this much in school. Well, I tend to agree. But the captain's orders on this are very clear. Oh, too soon. Okay, so this was the scene I think you were about to play. Yes. Hi. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Solve any new problems today? I was starting to, maybe. Mr. Singh sent me off to class. Wes, you're only an acting ensign. You've got to let the commissioned officers do some of the work. Mom, I've learned a lot more than they understand. For example, with Channing's dilithium crystals theory I was telling you about. When were you telling me about that? What? This morning, don't you remember? What, dum dum? Honestly, I don't remember. <laughs> okay, Wesley, <laughs> yes. some shit's going down. Right. What are you doing? Right. Well, maybe my theory can answer that. Well, hang on, question. Andy. I believe we know how this works, right? Yeah. The longer version is first. Uh-huh. And then we play the short version. The right. intro song is the long song. Okay. Just I want to just so we're at a format here. No, I think you're right. <laughs> um Okay, then let's just <laughs> eyes shifting as he's looking around. Okay, let's just... We are the worst podcasters the world has ever heard. Look, uh, everybody's got their uh, specialities. Mine is being uh, 
a raconteur. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm less of a, of a technical, you know, genius. Sure. Um, <laughs> all right. Hang on one second. Oh, my God. <laughs> Here we go. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, I have <laughs> Jesus Christ A theory Where all the bathrooms at Let an android have a cat Is data just pretending to be so dill No one knows the answers Least of all him It's Andy's theories Okay, here's my theory and I think it will bear out. Okay. I think Wesley mm-hmm. is a flat-out psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> what? I think Wesley has no sensitivity mm-hmm. to the suffering of others. He's completely engrossed in in his is his engineering and uh, theories and everything and all that, all the all the mechanical side of it. Um, and I think uh, you can see that in this uh, in the progression of this next scene. Uh, we see Singh die in this scene. He gets shocked. Oh. Really a long lead into the shocking. Sorry, I'm going to skip. No, that's not your fault. I think that's the fault of people who made these episodes. It is very slow. And then Worf finds him. Uh, by the way, as a side note, uh, Lieutenant Singh, I think the first crew member that dies on the Enterprise... That you've seen, yeah. On the Enterprise D. Engineering and Captain Picard. Which, again, as I would say, is a failing. Original show, everybody. I just found Mr. Singh. He's dead. First guy that's dead. We're way into the show at this point. We're 20 minutes into the show. And then we go to Wesley's reaction to this. He continued to run on impulse power. He could have been working there restoring warp power. Well, according to these readings, we could go back to warp speed now. Those aren't the same readings as when I left. Seeing probably repaired it just before he was killed. He now, Wesley, we've seen that he has a friendly relationship with Lieutenant Singh. Yeah. He died less than an hour ago. This is the first crew member that we've seen die, so it doesn't happen that often. Wesley has, it's not hitting his emotional radar in any way. And the other two, you could say, all right, well, they've, you know, they've, first of all, they do seem a little bit more distressed than he does. He's just thinking about the ship. Couldn't have repaired it, sir. The problems were inside the engines. Who else could have corrected it, Wes? Inform the bridge of engine status. Engineering to bridge. We now have warp capacity, sir. All power online. Well, so that's it. That's my theory. <laughs> well, Andy, I like the theory. Uh-huh. To summarize, Wesley Crusher is a sociopath. Uh, I think he's a psychopath. A psychopath. Well, let's see. He's a sociopath, so he would have no emotion to it. He didn't kill the guy. Yeah. Or did he? <laughs> so, all right, I'm making a psychopath because he he's a genius. We've established that. He's smarter than anyone else on the ship. He saw the panel. He knew what the danger was, and he let Lieutenant Singh die. He as good as killed him himself. And that's my theory. Theories are very interesting because he's really smart. Okay. Andy. Yeah. Great theory. Thanks. <laughs> You're just obligated to say that at the end of my theory. 
Well, I really like your theories because they really they break up the show. <laughs> All right. So they got to figure out what's going on here. What is this cascading failure? What's happening? A crew member has died. Yeah. Let's see what the third in command on board the Enterprise <laughs> decides to do with this time. Okay. Lieutenant, they omitted certain truths, which in itself tells us something. We can learn something from non-disclosure? <laughs> Indubitably, my good woman. It's something the captain mentioned. Sherlock Holmes. Indubitably, Data has been studying him. Has studied, sir. Every case. As Holmes would have pointed out, during the time in question, something was afoot. Afoot? While both sets of delegates say they were in their quarters, our crew locator sensed them passing here and here. But since it doesn't show where they went, we're still in the dark. On the contrary, my dear colleague. An On their return, smoking a pipe they the drew medical room. supplies appropriate to the treatment of minor wounds and abrasions on these life forms. Which leaves us with only one conclusion. Exactly. That they were too engaged in their own affairs to have disabled the ship and murdered the engineer. Given the choice, they would rather kill each other than any of us. It's elementary, my dear Riker. I cannot lift this hand because it's so heavy (laughs) (laughs) so this is the first instance of sherlock holmes data's infatuation with sherlock holmes which we do get plenty more tastes of later in star trek land right and of course it raises one of the ongoing questions of when when does data know all of the information that the ship has access to and when does he do not do not when does he not have access to that in his brain you know, it's interesting. I don't know what Data's memory capacity is. But I will say, because uh, I think you're heading to saying you do you think this is uh, insane? Yeah. Because I, I uh, and maybe it's just I have a soft spot for, I feel like um, the, the comedy is sometimes not handled well. I, I like, I like Brent Spiner's handling of the comedy in his scenes. I think, I think Brent Spiner is an excellent actor. But I also think that the scene that immediately follows this yeah. might be my least favorite scene in Star Trek. It's elementary, my dear Riker. Now bite the pipe. Great. You know, it's not my least Sir. favorite scene. Sir. And I, I'm saying it's not the least favorite scene because I just remembered about 400 things that I like less than this. But <laughs> here we go. Beverly, can you hear me? <laughs> I want you to go back in your mind to the moment when you first recall this sensation of memory loss. Picture it exactly as it occurred. He's lying on the hospital bed, sedated. I'm walking up to him. I... How do you feel at this moment as you lean over him to take the specimen? I feel someone else. There's someone else who's there. Not a, not alone. 
out. Get out of my mind. That's almost exactly what you said. As though there was something else inside you. Which can Unbelievable. It's uh, it's the twenty third century. I know. We're still fucking hypnotizing people. It's so crazy. Also, we're being hypnotized. They're being hypnotized by a beta zoid. <laughs> They're being hypnotized by <laughs> like yes, she can read emotions. Can read thoughts. And well, she can't read thoughts. That's what's ridiculous. Well, she can read emotion. As yes. a side note, this of is a beta a, Z, she This is a common complaint of mine. Can read thoughts. Andy's common complaint. <laughs> <laughs> Another one from Stephen Ring. Unbelievable. Uh, people were going crazy this week. Um, so, people. Stephen was. <laughs> Stephen. Well, Stephen. Joe Garcia sent in some new stuff. Oh. We may have a new one from uh, from uh, Kenny Dixon coming up. Oh, my God. Um, so, um, yeah. it's And that's like the construction of Deanna Troy. Give her something else to do. And this is a perfect example. She has to hypnotize them. The Beta Z? Is it Beta Z or Beta Zoid? I know it is from Beta Z, but is she a Beta Zoid? Anyway. Yeah, she's a Beta Zoid. Okay. Whatever the case, it's totally, uh, it's so frustrating. You know what's frustrating? Cat what? Picard getting taken over by this creature. Here we go. Everything is fine now. Everything is fine now. Let's hear it. Let's hear John Luke Why Picard. the drop to impulse power, Lieutenant? The helm is suddenly malfunctioning, sir. Malfunctioning? You're wrong. Look again. Captain, I was just... <laughs> Love the performance. Mr. LaForge? Well, there's nothing wrong with it now, sir. Everything is just as it should be. In that case, make our heading. Nine, two, five, mark three. Seven. <laughs> Sir? You have a problem with that heading, Lieutenant? Do you want to double back on our course, sir? Oh. Isn't that what I ordered? Troy just sensed something. She finally sensed something. I mean, she sensed the duality of the people earlier in the show, but that's what she senses in all humans. She Let's tells us later. Here from Chief O'Brien. What is that doing on our deck? I demand to know why this starship has changed its course. Please return to your quarters, delegates. <laughs> Then they go to this room that we've never seen before that has a uh, model of the Enterprise, a, the original Enterprise, mm-hmm. and it has a model of the uh, Galileo. shuttle Galileo. I know. I love that I shit. I was excited. I love Although that shit. Although it does shit. point out again, where's their shuttle? Do they have a shuttle later? Oh, there's, there's four shuttle bays. Oh, okay. There's four shuttle bays on the Enterprise D. All right. That's yet another thing that Riker could have done to find Picard later. What do you mean? Couldn't he have you sent out some shuttles to come out of the shuttle while he goes to Parliament? I don't know. No, I'm. Well, maybe. Yeah. No. 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 
wasn't the concept yeah. at the end, mm-hmm. well, how is he going to find his way back? Couldn't you have just sent an unmanned shuttle in there it's so he could kind of so, find a way into the circuits? It's so weird. I, 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 have to, I have to play it for you. Okay. Let's, let's hear this alien's explanation I still don't entirely understand. To slow this enterprise thing that had captured it. And it very much regrets the accidental death of Engineer Singh. Captain, do you exist in combination with this entity? Is it in control of you, sir? Very soon after we had combined, we had learned much about each other. Passion for exploration, for the unknown, we found we had similar dreams, and it offered your captain a way to realize them beyond human expectations. Captain, I must speak to you privately now. I understand. As an energy pattern, free of the limitations of matter, Mm -hmm. he might travel anywhere, at any velocity. Captain, do you hear me? Sir, I see no way for you to journey with an energy form. Isn't there? It looks like he's going to jump out the view screen. (laughs) The transporter need not pattern your captain into matter. We'll beam energy only, and we will become a combined energy pattern of our life forms. A resignation from this command and from Starfleet has been appropriately recorded. I refuse to allow this, sir. How does this resignation threaten the ship or its crew in any way? Captain Picard, you are now relieved of duty. I judge you to be disabled and mentally incapacitated. Force field holding everyone in. Security. Red alert. Restrain the captain. Where is he? <laughs> why is she blind? Why is she? Why is she blind? That's what she did. The alien it is electric. Uh, this episode's a pile of bullshit. It's so... Oh, God, it's so frustrating. It's so slow. <laughs> it's so it's slow. So it took us slow. so long to get to this scene where Picard is talking as the alien. Yeah. And nothing... He's not revealing anything because he's saying this is what Picard's thinking. But we know that's probably not what Picard's thinking. And then when we hear from Picard, he doesn't remember any of it. It's so weird. Like, he doesn't even say, like, I was there. I did, for a moment, want to join this creature. And I will say this. I don't know if you're going to play this. uh, But... Here, let me play this. Go ahead. Let me skip ahead. Do it up, bro. All right. Thanks, man. Let's sing. Thanks, man. Oh, hey, I'm that alien still in the quarters on the floor. Oh, you're so cool. Yeah, I'm chilling over here. You know of any keggers in the area? No, but I'm looking to get my hands on a live animal. (laughs) Here we go. Mm This is a wild theory, Data. I knew we had to have the captain's physical pattern here, sir. He was the last one to beam out. Is what you're thinking possible? Unknown at this time, sir. I hope the captain remembers his physical pattern is here. If he has... His energy has moved into the transporter relays by now. I wish we had some sign that he was in here. I guess we have no choice but to risk it. Energizing, sir. So, basically, the argument is, Uh in energy form, Picard has consciousness. And that is what's hailing them. And that is what Troy senses. Right. Um... 
I follow you so far. And yet when they beam him into his the, the last transported form of him, he has no memory. It's so weird, right? So if you're saying it, it that the energy carries sense. the consciousness, wouldn't it transfer? Absolutely. It should have memory of everything. It should know what it was like to float outside his energy. It should know how that breakup went. Like, I feel like they just were like, you know what? I really thought we were ready for this step, but it turns out we're just... We're just not right for each other. But <laughs> but more importantly, from a writing perspective, yes. we never find out what the alien is really about. Nor do we, like, it just like seems like they should be studying this creature and communicating with it more. I don't. I, and then it ends so with pointless. this weird comedic um, interaction. Oh, it's bananas. What's happening to me, number one? I was preparing to to beam out. So he would remember the crisis. Somewhere. And I remember there was talk of an entity, but it all seems so vague. Nobody has had the kind of memory wipe that he is displaying up until this point. No. They remember what they remember up until the point when they yeah. were possessed. I believe the captain is now his separate self, sir. Much of what happened is naturally missing. Why? Are naturally? You talking about Doesn't make data? any sense. Is this still Sherlock Holmes? He said nothing Sherlock Holmesy. Nope. <laughs> it's just not a thing. It's just a shoddy writing tie-in. Let's tie go in. back and address that. Make it Sherlock Holmesy. No, we got it. We haven't tied up the Sherlock Holmes plot. Okay, I'll just have Picard mention it. Look, um. Uh, anyway, go ahead. Indubitably, sir. Indubitably. Hmm. Well, at least you got rid of the damn pipe. Doesn't make any sense. Doctor Crusher has asked me to steer you past sick bay. She said you've been looking very tired. Captain. Yes, Lieutenant. Sorry, Commander, but Security Team 2 reports they've discovered a puddle of blood outside the cellar quarters, and they can't find one of the delegates, and Lieutenant, so... Lieutenant, this couldn't have waited a moment? Yes. It's good to see you, sir. The problem is, is that one of the cooks has just been asked to borrow a reptile for the antiquants, and it looks like the cellar delegate... I think I do need a rest. Take charge, number one. Okay. You are and then on a mission. The from... final punchline is Riker looking at Troy. Troy's got a little quirky smile. <laughs> Tasha doesn't know what to make of the whole thing. Okay. There's been a murder on board the Enterprise. <laughs> Of a political... Of a political <laughs> delegate. Guest, yeah. From someone who wants to join the Federation. Your job is to transport them to a summit where they will be able to hopefully put aside their differences and coexist in, their, in the Federation or in their own star system. While Captain Picard was busy not membering things, one of these fucking aliens... Killed another alien and is having the cook cook it. <laughs> and Riker says, couldn't this have waited? It's, it's just, it feels like the kind of thing that on a TV show you would have written at, that was Omar Little, uh, you would have written at... At like two in the morning, because you you had a deadline. It's just like, oh god, we just got to finish this. We just got to finish this. <laughs> it is so friggin' stupid. This episode 
I can't say. Is it the is it the worst one we've seen so far? I mean, Code of Honor. Code was, of Honor is. I mean that that but wins at least because it, it was it, but it at had least, the racism in yes, it. Yes, but at least as a plot, it is logical. Right. The beginning, the middle, the middle, and the end. Right. Fair enough. Are logical plot points. Right. This is slow. Mm-hmm. It's inconsistent with the characters. The B plot has nothing to do with the A plot. The and B the B plot, plot doesn't isn't stand on its plot. own. Right. Is it can't no, it doesn't stand on its own unless we're gonna follow up their fuck I wanna see a murder investigation happening or something. It's crazy. Right. So I don't know. Andy? Well, before we... I feel like you're leaning into it with your... I'm not leaning. But uh, do you want to do the MVC first? Boy. Because I feel like we get to this point in the episode every time where you're like, you're doing this really, really well-crafted build-up to the Andes. And... uh, Yeah, and I always forget that we have an MVC. So should we just save the MVC for later? No, I mean... Because that's what they would do in a basketball game. You would find out who won and then you would... uh, Let's find out who won. Okay, Andy, I feel like we might have something to play before we tell everyone how many Andys it gets. We certainly do. The Andys. Or some other method of ranking. We're working on it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, really Andy. Uh, I, I'm supposed Rains. to rate it first? I think I'm supposed to rate it first. You're supposed to rate it first. And I'm going to give it two Andys because, just because uh, it does... I don't. I like the Sherlock Holmes introduction. I like that it at least gives a gives a little bit of of uh, Data's comedic possibility. Yeah. Um, uh, I like um, that there there is some attempt to have there be a little bit of tension in terms of like what's going on on the ship in a way that really has not built at all yet. Yeah. Um, and so that's the only reason I give it a slight hair over Code of Honor. And the and the fact that Kovar was flat out racist. Interesting. Uh, I have to give this a total of one Andes. All right. This is a should you watch it? Matt says skip it. Oh yeah, you're supposed to say that at the beginning. We gotta I get know. Our shit together. We never will. All right. Let's uh, let's take a look at who the most invaluable is. We might have different answers. When the going gets rough. You gave it your all. You showed the right stuff. You managed to not blow the ship to smithereens. That's why you're this week's MVC. That's a Very lovely nice. song. Another one from Kenny Dixon. A little bit of a, a theme song off between Kenny Dixon and Joe Garcia. You guys, the competition's heating up here, and we're going to one day crown the most valuable listener. Andy. Uh, yes. I'm going to state my case for my most valuable crew member. Okay. This week's most valuable crew member is Deanna Troy. You know, I wonder if it'll be interesting to see when we disagree because mine is also Deanna Troy, and it's simply because there's another weird moment at the end. Uh, I hate to go back in time again. No, you but... can go back in time. You're stating your case, bro. We're gonna play the highlights. All right. Ben in it. Is it? Do I have the? Yeah, I do. Um, Riker, in the midst of all of this. Thirty-nine, twenty-four. 
Uh, no, I can't wait totally for the. Wrong. All right. So, so the, whatever the case. By the way, everyone, Riker just. We're gonna tally up the votes for MVC, and at the end of the year, we're gonna award the MVC of the year. This is great. And right now, Deanna Troy's in the lead. Who would have thought? She has two MVC awards. Who would have thought? Two MVC awards. Wesley has one. And we've only done it three times. Deanna Troy, probably. Am, am I wrong in thinking that she's probably the most the joked most about? beleaguered? I think the most beleaguered yeah. cast member of, of or crew member of the but show. Way Marina, out ahead. Marina, you're spectacular. Anyway, actress. my point was going to be, and I don't have the clip because I'm not good at my job. Yeah. Um, she uh, Riker. Mm-hmm. He thinks about it. He says, "Well, have we tried other things?" Uh, and then he just goes, "All right, we're going on to Parliament." <laughs> He's abandoning. His captain. They don't try other stuff. They're yes, not sir. exploring. Yeah. Nothing. Bring us right into the edge of it, LaForge. Aye, sir. I think that's after they after they've decided to swing it back around. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple because moments. Troy there's is a the couple one who of, then scans, finds him. There's a couple of Troy moments here that are just. I mean, that the, the the show would implode on itself if if she wasn't there. This is one of them. Everyone's sad looking. Even Data. They're looking out into the cloud. Mr. LaForge. It's time to set a course for Parliament. War bait. We're really leaving him. Commander? Wait. It's the captain. But only the captain. He's out there alone. The entity? Has it abandoned him? No. But the combination wasn't possible out there. He's in trouble, so we have to beam him back. Beam him back as what? He's nothing but energy now. Sir, the entity was caught in the ship's circuitry. And there you have it. Yeah. Deanna Troy saving Captain Picard's life. That's right. That's two MVC awards. It's amazing. We should maybe get an award made uh-huh. and send it to them. So that they can go, what is this? <laughs> and go, I don't need this garbage. Get it out of here. <laughs> Wait, you're right. That's exactly what they do. <laughs> Although I think it'd be kind of fun if we had a really, if we could get a really nice, like, Maybe the, uh, it looks like the Com badge, you know? It's the Starfleet logo. Very nice gold one. It would be great to make them huge. And it would say, most valuable crew member, season one, Star Trek The Next Generation. We should keep tally. Or if you're you're a a very nice, benevolent fan out there and you want to keep track of all of our scores and and so forth, then the MVC and send it to us as we go or tweet it or whatever. I'd appreciate it. That'd be great. Andy and then what we could do Andy is... Andy wouldn't appreciate it as much When as we get a cast member... I'd appreciate it more than Andy. He, he, he certainly would. He's a more, he's a more generous person with his <laughs> spirit. Um, when we get a cast member on, yeah. Marina Sirtis... Sirtis. 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 I'm going to have to nail that down before we get her on. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> then we'll have like, you know, seven award, clunky giant awards to give her. Uh. And she'll have to pretend she's carrying them out to her car before she throws them away. Yeah, it's very... She might get to her car before she asks the next person that details her car to get rid of it. You want these? No. She'll say. Andy, any final thoughts? Uh, I'm lonely among us. The only thoughts I have are... uh, 
I I feel like we can only go up from here, but I I, th- I thought that with code of honor, and I've uh, you've been, been disappointed thus far. <laughs> but uh, that being said, Shauna, I'm optimistic. I look forward. My mind is open. Uh, and then last, I'm gonna just run through the some of the trivia about the episode. Right. Uh, so you guys know. The episode, this episode was the first bottle show done on The Next Generation. Oh, interesting. Uh, The cinematography is particularly dark in this episode. I noticed that too, the hallways. Uniquely among uh, Trek so far features an entire deck being blacked out at night. After this episode, the lighting levels on the Enterprise D would gradually increase, although the series lighting remained quite low-key by Star Trek standards until his replacement by Marvin V. Rush in the third season. Kavi Raz was not available for the shoot of a scene in which Singh is seen in the background, so the production staff solved this by simply putting a wig on a chair. (laughs) Uh, The episode's score was composed was composed and directed by Ron Jones and was recorded on the 15th of October 1987 at Paramount Stage M. The props used for the Antican hunting device were later used as a coil spanner in Voyager. A model of the original USS Enterprise shuttlecraft is visible in the as the bridge crew plans their mutiny. Also briefly gr- glimpsed behind Beverly Crusher is a silver model of a Constitution class starship. It is seen more prominently in the ba- in the battle. Among the costumes and props uh, from this episode, which were sold off on the It's a Wrap sale and auction on eBay was a Sealy costume. <laughs> <laughs> that is a bad purchase. <laughs> the diamond-shaped statue in the Antican guest quarters previously appeared in Kirk's apartment in Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan and in Tasha Yar's quarters in The Naked Now and can also be seen in the Café d'Artistes in the episode We'll Always Have Paris. This is the first appearance of Data as Sherlock Holmes. Uh, the 24th century pads designed by Rick Sternbach make their first appoint, uh, appearance in this episode. Again, the pad precursor to the iPad. The first appearance of TNG era dress uniforms. We covered that earlier. And this is the first episode to be directed by Cliff Bowl. Bowl would go on to direct a further 24 episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation, including the best of both worlds. Well, that's actually a perfect example of a thought I have. And I wonder, because I'm assuming at this point, um, I wonder if, if Roddenberry was too busy to be in post. Because a pro- another, another thing that will happen is a showrunner will get so busy that he has to choose which battle he's going to fight. So he'll either be on set, he'll be in the writer's room, or he'll be in post. And whoever was responsible for post was not cutting these episodes in any... In any fashion, that was, I mean, it is so slow, even internally in scenes. There are such long pauses. But beyond that, I feel like even structurally, a lot could have been done since you have the captain's log to tinker with the storyline. And here's what Cliff says mm-hmm. about this episode. Okay. And, and as a side note, I know Best of Both Worlds is one of the top yeah, one of, the best episodes of all time. And so that indicates it's maybe not on the director, which was a question I had. As I'll say right here, or as Cliff says. Very good. They got a lot of calls for that. They just wanted to do some kind of shocker. You've never seen anything like it since. I don't recall 
that being one of my better shows. But I worked as hard on that episode as anything else. The subject matter affects the end product. There are some better written shows, obviously. It's fair. Yeah. And I don't know that I would say, in thinking about it, uh, you know, you know, the only thing I would hold him accountable for, and this might have been, because that's another thing, it's very hard to assign blame on a TV show. It's hard in a movie, too, because you don't know when there's studio involvement. You don't know when a star was being temperamental. But generally, you can pin it on the director. In a mm-hmm. TV show, it's very hard because you will maybe want to say the director, uh, but a showrunner can overrule the director. Like Gene Roddenberry could overrule Cliff Bowles on the set. Yeah. But I would say the performances, when the people are possessed by the alien, are bonkers. So theoretically, that would be in Cliff's court. So that is on him. It's not just the, it's not just the, um, the subject matter. But uh, generally speaking, I don't see that many um, problematic issues with the directing in the episode. Yeah, I think there's some good stuff. There's some good performance. I think Picard's doing a great job when he's inhabited by the creature. See, I think it's it's a weird. He's doing a great job being weird. He's being quirky. What who what what is the reasoning? And maybe it's in the script. But what is the reasoning behind? The alien acting kind of like, hmm, hi, well, we'll see, why not? And like when he's looking out the window at space, kind of slumping like a depressed teenager. What is the deal? Why? He's energy. <laughs> That's what an energy being does when it's in a human? <laughs> I don't know. Guys, there's no way to ever really know if that's what an energy beam does when it's inside of a human. <laughs> so, Andy, I'm sorry, but I don't I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Are we going to have a poll for next week? You were talking about that. Yeah, we're talking about running polls uh, on the Star Trek TNC Twitter handle, which is at STTNC. No, it's ST, uh, at Star Trek TNC. And the email Star is Trek TNC. at STTNC pod. At gmail.com. Uh-huh. Oh, I, I said at twice. <laughs> STT, we are so bad at our jobs. STTNC pod. We're good at our jobs. Uh-huh. We're bad at podcasting. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> we are not being paid for this, folks. Which is another day we have. <laughs> um, <sighs> what? I forgot what I was saying. You I was were talking about the email. email. Yeah. STTNC pod at gmail.com. Great job. I really took a long time to get through that email. You did, but I'm okay with it because I've got an out. That peaked too much. You going to do it again? I've got an out. <laughs> that was too low. Peaking. That was too low. <laughs> I've got an out. Wow. Can you beam me out with uh, the old Enterprise? Yeah, I can beam me out with that if you want. So long. So long. Cut it off. That's the one you wanted. That is the one you wanted.